Hello and welcome to Where Many Have Gone Before, the podcast where I, John D. Ruddy, watch Star Trek for the very first time. You're all very welcome to this episode. We don't have Mr. Michael Leddy today, interestingly enough. For this episode, I will be talking with my brother from another mother, Mr. Niall McDonough. He is my best friend. He was my best man at my wedding. And we have a long history of being nerds together from our early teenage years. I would like to apologise for the sound quality on his end. Unfortunately, we had several technical difficulties, part of which I actually left in. You will hear some of the technical difficulties where we um, lost contact for a while. Um, But also... His microphone was really bad, and I hope next time we have him on, it'll be a better microphone. But it's a terrible microphone, and I did my best to clean it up. Special thanks to David Toy for helping me clear this up. Niall, next time, use a better microphone. But apart from that, it was a lot of fun having him on. We talked about the episodes Balance of Terror and Shore Leave, which could not be two different episodes of Star Trek. They are so different in tone, in style, in everything. And yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, This podcast was sponsored by my wonderful supporters at Patreon. If you wish to support this podcast, and indeed my series Manny Man Does History over on YouTube, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash John D. Ruddy. And without further ado, here's the episode. Hello, and here we are with not Michael Letty. For a change, we have Mr. Niall McDonough, who some of you may know from Nielsen and Johnson, Nerds at Law, all five of you. Um, congratulations on understanding that deep cut. But, uh, Nielsen, what's your name and where do you come from? Uh, my name is Niall McDonough. I come from uh, the northwest of Ireland, but... Five minutes up the road from John. But not at the moment. Not at the moment. I'm recording this in Auckland, New Zealand. Ah, uh, yeah. Where we have just come out of lockdown. And it's great. Yay, lucky you guys. I get to go to work again. Yay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay-ish. Yeah. No, it's great. It's great. We're in, I'm in the right place for this. Good. And yeah, so nerd credentials found. Um, Star Wars being the big one but i mean part of the reason i moved to new zealand is because they filmed lord of the rings here and while i haven't had much of a chance to see any of that excitement yet it's on the cards super jealous uh with regards star trek i've kind of been exposed to it for as long as i can remember my older sister was a big fan and um i mean the thing is like we're we're here we're going to be talking about episodes of the original series which i never actually did watch uh, so I watched ah. a couple episodes in preparation for this, but that's it. I grew up watching Next Generation, Voyager, a uh, little bits and pieces of DS9, but not much. Um, I think I've seen most of Enterprise and then the new series as well, Discovery and Picard. 
I confess to be quite a big fan of. I really enjoy them. Excellent. I'm looking forward to watching those in about 20 years time when I finally get get right to them. <laughs> Having gone through, I, I have every intention now of going through the original series, the animated series, the films, Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, all the way up, all the way up. So I'll, I'm, I'm getting there. I'll get there. I'll get there. But uh, I'm thoroughly enjoying the original series. And I have to admit, I must apologize to Michael Letty right now because I kind of feel like I'm cheating on him at the moment because just particularly because this episode that's coming up, I think is the first real kind of quintessential Star Trek episode. Like it's, it's what it's at least what I think of when I think of Star Trek. So I kind of feel bad, but uh, sorry, Michael, if you're listening, but We'll 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 catch up a little bit on uh, on on this episode when we're yeah. chatting next. I would say de- definitely talk to Michael about this first episode anyway because he'll he'll have things to say. It, it's it lays yes. some groundwork lays some groundwork for about the next sixty years of Star Trek right yeah, up big to time big episodes time episodes coming out today. Oh really? Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, it's 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 special. Stuff. Yeah, ah, oh, very exciting, very exciting. Uh, so, the episode that we're talking about is episode 15, Balance of Terror. And the episode opens up with, there's a, a religious ceremony going on, going on. I was very intrigued. I was like, ooh, what does religion look like in the future? And apparently it looks like a little thing with a bunch of candles on it. So, what's what's changed? I mean, it's, 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 it's multi-denominational. They can do what they want. Exactly, exactly. It makes sense. It's, it's the future. And Scotty informs Kirk that the ceremony will be broadcast on all viewing screens around the ship. I was like, ah, they're live streaming. I love it. Meanwhile, Kirk is talking with Spock, who is kind of secretly talking to him over the comms. And while all of this lovely, oh, yay, lovely ceremony is coming up, Spock is sitting there going, okay, so I post three. We've lost contact with. So you're like, ooh, there's there's, there's something going on. And as it turns out, it is a wedding ceremony. Oh, I did. Sorry, I'm losing you here. Yeah. Hello. Can you hear me? Hello. Hello. Star Command, come in. I've lost contact with Nile and am currently waiting for his contact to come back. Jim, we are waiting for Nile to return to the Zoom meeting. God damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not an IT man. Have we lost Nile? Captain's log. Stardate 2605-2020. We've lost contact with Niall McDonough and currently waiting from the opposite side of the planet to pick up from where we left off. Hey. Hello. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, I can. (laughs) Hey, sorry about that. No worries. Uh, My tablet just completely shat itself there, so I've switched over to Linda's one. (laughs) Good idea. Fair enough. I, I can cut around all that stuff. Uh, so it turns out that the ceremony is a wedding and uh, between, is it was it Martine and Tomlinson? And it's all very exciting. It turns out that they are still using the, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da in the future, which is wonderful. I always find that piece of music funny because... Um, it, it, as far as I know, it actually comes from an opera where it's completely making fun of the bride. <laughs> oh, really? 
Yeah, I, I think it's it's something along the lines of like they've taken this really trashy uh, woman, possibly a prostitute, I'm not sure, and uh, they've like dressed her up in this ridiculous big over-the-top dress and dolled her up to the nines and then she's coming down the aisle and it's like da 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 da, da. like it's super sarcastic um, oh, wow. that's, well that's ruined that forever yeah and it has since uh since become oh i'm gonna walk down the aisle to this it's like okay fair enough meanwhile we also discovered that uh, earth outpost 4 is under attack of course we're not told anything yet about what earth outpost 4 is Exactly. It's all wonderfully mysterious. I love these episodes where they're they're very good at playing their cards close to their chest uh, quite often. But it turns out that uh, it's somewhere near uh, between the planets Romulus and Ramus. Um, to which to which I'm wondering at this point. I mean, I'm familiar with the Romulans from the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie. But at this point, I'm sitting there because, of course, I'm going to pick holes and shit. Uh, so I'm sitting there going... So, is 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 Romulan even their name? Like, do they call themselves <laughs> Romulans? I was like, you know, hashtag colonialism, of course. You know, the Earth people come and put their names on it. Either that, or it's deeply coincidental. I mean, as as it, as we later discover, I mean, they're they're very heavily based on Romans. And, oh yeah, like traitors and, and the Centurions. And, well, I mean, yeah, the College of the Centurions, and even, I was like, oh, duh, like, that explains why the main villain in the J.J. Abrams movie is called Nero, it's like, <laughs> duh. But at the same time, you know, there's there's kind of certain things of, which came first, the chicken or the egg in this regard? <laughs> well, I think the, this is one of those many, many situations in, I mean, Star Trek and sci-fi in general, where you just yeah. ignore it. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the 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 writers weren't really thinking about it when they they were like, oh, let's have a, they're like the Romans, cool. Oh, and we can call them Romulans, perfect. Yeah, yeah, that'll that'll fly. And then once people started taking it seriously, then it was like, oh no, this is this is deep lore now. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they were expecting them to still be making TV shows about Romulans. 60 odd years later yeah i mean i think um because uh, because i even noticed that in I've, I've i've been watching star wars the clone wars on on disney plus and and i'm on season four and uh, there's the whole episode where they're on mon calamari and they're constantly the the mon calamari are referring to themselves <laughs> as the mon cala and i'm like are you just trying to essentially casually retcon the fact that they're called Mon Calamari and just go, oh, no, we're the Mon Cala. And it's like, yeah, because you know that saying Mon Calamari over and over again will get more and more ridiculous. But, uh, oh, well. So uh, so they pull up a star sector map, and I love it. It's like a, you know, 1960s London tube map. It's great. It's just a little hand-drawn cartoon, essentially. Yes, it's so cute. It's adorable. And so they've, so they've got this uh, neutral zone. And to which I'm sitting there wondering, like, so is space two-dimensional? Like, like this, just a solid, 
you know, line? Or or does this line actually, is this like a sphere around Romulan space? How does this work? I, I'm not understanding this. Maybe, you know, maybe if they had like a 3D hologram of it, like did they not have that technology 200 years in the future? What's going on, guys? Look, John, the, there is an answer to that, actually. Um, I don't know it, but I'm sure someone does. There's definitely yes. an answer. It's Star Trek. There's, There's definitely an answer. an answer. There is an someone, answer to every single... Someone has single... come up with an answer at some stage. Yes. Oh, I know. I know. I've, I have been that person that's like, well, technically it's because Palpatine's Force Lightning is more powerful than Dart and <laughs> So, So we discover that it is the Romulan Star Empire. And I'm really excited because at this stage of the game, watching this in, you know, in the order that it's being presented, this to me, I think it seems to be the first kind of real major leap in uh, world building in kind of establishing a lot of what has become the deep Star Trek lore. You know, like up until now, it's only really been Vulcans that it's like, oh yeah, that's quintessentially Star Trek. But this is the, the next big thing. But even just this whole uh, idea of the Romulan Star Empire, that there was an Earth-Romulan war over a century ago, and because their technology wasn't as good back then, they didn't have video communication between yeah. them, so they haven't even seen each other. It's like, really? A hundred years in our future and they don't have video communications? Guys, come on, yeah, like well, it's Skype. John, I mean, two, like 250 years in the future, they're using flip phones. And their yeah. tablets are about four inches thicker than mine are. The exciting yeah. thing is they thought of tablets in the 60s. I know. Focus it's so on cool. that. I, I, do, I love it. That. I love it. I love it. It's so, so cool. I love that idea, though, that they've never actually seen each other. And they're this... They know of them. They know that they're the Romulans, that they're in that piece of space that we don't go into, but they don't know what they are. And so I'd imagine even, like watching this for the first time had I not known what Romulans look like you know your imagination just goes wild it's like you know could they be these weird you know space creatures with tentacles or could they be robots could they be like what what are they and as it's being unfolded we turn we it, it turns out that earth outpost one and two have been pulverized these outposts have been built on asteroids and they've been completely pulverized Kirk is reluctant but ready you know he's he's you know because this is a very delicate situation it's a diplomatic situation uh he doesn't want to start an interstellar war well who does yeah this is true who does who does but i think this is the first time i have heard them say battle stations which is very exciting and so everyone's in battle stations they're charging up the phasers it's like ooh. And then, of course, the uh, is it Mar- uh, Martin and Tomlinson? They speak to each other. They're like "Happy Wedding Day," to which I'm like, "Well, one of them's gonna die." Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like which one? Uh, the, the, one of them may as well have told the other they have a girl back home. Yeah, exactly. No, they they got a girl on the ship. Two days yeah. left for retirement. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, so the 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 news is being fed in the the outpost has been hit by a massive weapon by a space vessel. It's very mysterious. A guy Hansen uh, communicates from outpost four um, with with video. It's all on fire, and he's going, "Oh my god, we're gonna die!" The most dramatic man. Oh my god, he's so history. dramatic. 
He's fantastic. It's like, this is my moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He really, like, he milked that. Oh, it's Short fantastic. scene for all it was worth. Beautiful. Yeah. And, and and at this point, you know, it's like they're using this, you know, high energy plasma weapon. Uh, and I'm like, ooh, is it, is it the Death Star? Uh, but no, it's not the Death Star. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so then we see a Romulan ship appear and I'm like, ooh, this is cool. Uh, I thought it was really cool. Uh, just seeing another ship that's that's not Earth-based. I mean, in the, the very, which episode was it? Uh, Where No Man Has Gone Before. It's oh, it's so good. It's super trippy. It's a brilliant episode. It's one of my favorites. Although this one is this one's definitely up there. This is maybe like a close second place as to my favorite. But where no man has gone before is still probably my favorite because it's just so weird, whimsical, and cerebral. Uh, but there it has like all sorts of. There's a lot of weird. Yeah, it has all sorts of really weird spaceships in it like one is essentially just a, a cube it's like a, a, a rubik's cube in space huh, yeah you you definitely won't see many cube spaceships ah, i know funny that in your, borg, in your, borg. Uh... I'm, aware, I'm aware of the borg cube um but that's that's decades <laughs> from now um so the uh the romulan ship, uh, ship appears out of nowhere and then fires off their laser or their their plasma, energy plasma, and then disappears again and completely blows up outpost four. Kirk and everyone are very scared. You can see it in them. You know, everybody has their own kind of little reaction to it, but everyone is 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 shook. They're shook. That's, a, that's another great thing where everyone gets like a little bit of an extended reaction. Yes. It kind of just like the camera just lingers on everyone just just that little bit too long. Yeah. Then it gets a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> so as it turns out, the uh, the ship seemingly needs to drop its cloaking device in order to fire off its laser. But there's also the suggestion that maybe when the cloaking device is up, that they can't see much outside of it. They can't track anything when they are being when they are cloaking themselves. And uh, it's interesting because Spock talks about the possibility of that technology of uh, light bending technology, and it's like. Like people are still working on that technology today. People are still like it's it's so cool. Like just that those you know the likes of fiber optics and but light light bending is such a thing that um, that is still being developed and worked on to develop cloaking. Like I mean, technically it has been. Uh, there are versions of it in existence. That sweet disappearing car from James. Ah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yep. man, that that yeah. I mean, you know, they 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 definitely jumped the glacier in that movie. <laughs> so they reckon the cloaked ship isn't detecting the Enterprise. It seems to be kind of moving off casually and not reacting to uh, what the Enterprise is doing. And um, so the ship is heading back to Romulus, which confirms to them, yes, okay, this is these are the Romulans. Mr. Stiles, who is uh, one of the navigators uh, on the bridge, and he's being super paranoid. He is very suspicious of the Romulans, and he he's warning, you know, there could be a spy on board. He wants to attack them. He's being very aggressive, and everyone else is like, dude, this is this is the one episode of Star chill, Trek chill. you're in. Just, just calm, calm down. Just do, just do the whole Serene Bridge crew thing, you know. Exactly. Ease it back. Ease it back. Yeah, just back it up. Just back, back, back it up. Just back it up. So they're receiving uh, images from the bridge, and from what we can see, 
in, in my in my initial reaction, no, I mean I do know that Romulans are related to Vulcans in a way, um, but uh, but initially, like, I, and I was also trying to think of if I was watching this for the first time. It's like they've got a Vulcan on board. Ooh, and uh, and I love Spock's reaction. Like everybody else is like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" And Spock is like. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> he, he's just like, I mean, yeah, I would have a Vulcan on board. There's, actually, there's a great shot where it cuts, it like cuts to what would have been a commercial break, and it cuts back, and it just cuts to like the whole bridge crew staring at Spock, and Spock's just there working. Yeah, and just like, uh, hi guys, you guys okay? yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey so everybody is super suspicious of Spock. This is one thing that I loved about this episode was it's so clearly. I, I love just the the parallels between the two ships that you know it's very much that kind of thing of um, the best the best written villains are heroes in their own story, and the Romulans yeah. are very understanding in that way that you can see that. They're in essentially a very similar situation to the Enterprise. Now, that being said, they went and blew up a whole pile of outposts, which doesn't help. But at the same time, there is that thing of they are also trying to work out what the Enterprise is doing. And there's just this real cat and mouse back and forth. Really good. Really, really good. The performance of Mark Leonard, who plays the Romulan commander, is (gasps) fantastic. Outstanding. He he comes back, he plays a few different characters as the franchise progresses. Oh, that's um, exciting. Yeah, and but this is he's, he's excellent. Really yeah. captivating performance. Yeah. Now, w- one thing that uh, I suppose the writers are still working out at this point, but like just with regards the uh, world building, is so Vulcans don't know about Romulans. Uh, uh, like, I mean, obviously, like they know of the existence of the Romulans, so we don't go over there. But do the Vulcans, the Vulcans don't know that the Romulans are an offshoot of them and et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's, uh, it's an interesting one because Spock, Spock is just as surprised either that or Spock just was not telling anybody that the Romulans are very Vulcan-like. I mean, it's also possible that just Spock didn't know. That, That's you know, true. That's very true. Like, you know, Spock can't know everything. That's true. Yeah. As much as we like to think he does sometimes. Yeah. So the Romulan ship is changing course. And at this point we get we get a view of, you can see the warbird paint along the bottom of them. I was like, that's cool. That's very, very cool. And the Romulans are aware of the Enterprise. And uh, he's suggesting, you know, first we study the enemy. And, and, and this is what I love, how the commander of the Romulan ship, he's trying to think what trying to work out what kirk is doing he's like well no f- first we study the enemy because they're trying to work out why haven't they opened fire on us he's like well they're, they're working out what we're going to do which is exactly what i would do and there's just this constant back and forth back and forth in this episode of kirk saying and the commander saying well that's what i would do and it's it's yeah. so good it's so good so they're they're kind of trying to work out what are the Earthmen's weakness, as as they're saying, uh, and at the, and at this point you, uh, you're introduced to the whole kind of thing of they call themselves Centurions, and uh, as I ah like, oh, they're based on Romans, and their costumes are toga like, and I get it, I get it. But even though, like, actually, if you think about it, I mean, Vulcan, Vulcan is also a Roman god, so it's very good point. It, it is there, it is there, you know, so. 
I mean, maybe the writers weren't expecting that uh, people would spend 60 years overanalyzing all of this stuff. I mean, if you want, if you want some headcanon for it, uh, you could say that uh, their universal translator is just translating these things into phrases that we would associate with on her. Oh, yeah, 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 that works, that works. Yeah, maybe, maybe they, they, you know, they have a system that works similarly to the Roman system. So the universal translator says, yeah, Centurion, why not? The joys of headcanon, that, that, that works. So uh, these, um, uh, Spock brings in this um, piece of plating from the, from the outpost, which was uh, uh, Castrodinium. And is the hardest substance known to science. So it's harder than vibranium, harder than adamantium. This is castrodinium. And it has been completely disintegrated by the plasma. Dramatically so. I, I love that Spock just doesn't, like, he doesn't tell them, oh yeah, this, like, this happened. And yeah. It's broken. He comes in and just dramatically yeah. crushes it with his hand. Yeah. He, he, for no reason other than, like, for, for, someone, for someone who's a creature of pure logic. He's, yeah, he's a bit dramatic. Yeah. Well, I think that's the human side of him. Uh, so they start uh, discussing war uh, and discussing the potentials of, of war with the Romulans and what that would entail. Styles, of course, you know, this very established uh, member of the cast is sitting there going, well, we, I want to attack. We, we should attack. And who invited him to the briefing? Anyway? I know, right? He's like, you know, what if they see us run? And Sulu's like, well, what if they just straight up destroy us? What message is that going to send? And Spock, however, agrees with Styles, And he's like, well, Romulans do appear to be an offshoot of my Vulcan blood. And this is one thing, I, th- you know, again, more world building. And I'm loving this. So, you know, Vulcans had a violent colonial past, like humans on Earth. I was like, ooh, social commentary. Spock thinks they should attack. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, if it's the logical thing to do. So in order to escape, the Romulans decide to fly through the tail of a comet, uh, thinking that that will disrupt their sensors. But Kirk is outsmarting them because the icy particles that they'll be flying through will actually create a little trail, uh, which will allow them to track them visually. So the Enterprise actually holds back so that they can see exactly where they are. And uh, the Romulans are flying through thinking, haha, their their sensors are going to be disrupted. But then word comes back, they're not following us. And the commander's like, oh, a face of actions. And so he t- changes direction. And it's, it's so good. They're just constantly <laughs> outsmarting each other and thinking, well, oh, that's what he's doing. He's, he's waiting to see my trail. And so they change direction. It's so good. It's really, really good. It's really like... For such a short, like, you know, a 50-minute episode, it gets in so much. This one, like, there's so much happens, so much world building, so much character building. Yeah. Oh, oh big time. Yeah, this is great. such a dense episode. And so the Enterprise starts firing blindly into space, and they are managing to rock rock the boat, rock the Romulan boat. And um, uh, this super heavy piece of styrofoam kills the Centurion. And um, the commander is, is very upset by this. So they fire back with a plasma and the Enterprise is like, whoop, nope, 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 nope. And they start reversing and they're like, no, no, get away, get away, get away. Back away, not today, disbelieve. So it really turns out that they can uh, seemingly um, reverse 
at warp, which is really interesting. Um, they've, they've done it before, but I'm, I'm still intrigued that they can reverse at warp. And uh, so the plasma hits them, but it has dissipated. So it turns out that that plasma has a range, which is good. Oh yeah, and so they try to open fire, but the phasers aren't working. So Spock is sitting there underneath the little panel trying to trying to put it back together. And Spock is kind of figuring... They may think we're destroyed. And Kirk is like, I wouldn't make that assumption. And like, ooh, it's, it's, it's so good. There is respect. It's I am loving William Shatner in this show, by the way. Yeah, I have to say, like, having never really watched the original series before, I watched the two episodes for this and a couple others, and I'm genuine, I'm really pleasantly surprised by him. Because, yeah. I mean, I've seen clips and stuff before, but most of what you always hear about Shatner in Star Trek is is... Dramatic. Yes. Overacting. And yeah. tendency to stop in the middle of sentences. And it's re- he's not really like that at all. Like, I mean, there's there's definitely... Yeah, there are times when he gets over the top, but he's really good. He's For the most part, he's really good. Yeah. like, And I think just time has just parodied him so much that yeah. we expect the original to be as ridiculous as the parody yeah yeah but his um no like he's really good at um oh, what you should do is you should go and watch the enemy within <laughs> it's a very good episode it's shatner at his finest oh that's the good kirk versus evil kirk yes good kirk so, evil kirk oh good, it's so good, good. it's yeah. so good um all right, so the uh, so the enterprise gets its phasers fixed fires on the romulan ship shakes up the romulan ship i make note here the the bridge of the romulan ship is very reminiscent of the bridge of the tardis which i thought which i thought was kind of funny you know with the with the central panel in the middle yeah. and everybody yeah. working around it i did notice that as well but it's like it's a really really claustrophobic TARDIS. Oh, I was like, no, it's like, that bridge is tiny. It's bigger on the outside. <laughs> uh, so they're, they're heading towards the neutral zone and the Romulan commander is guessing what Kirk is going to do. And what I love about this, um, and this really struck me, I was like, this reminds me of something. What is this reminding me of? It's the Cuban Missile Crisis. It's that, I mean, obviously it's it's what old naval battles used to be anyway, where you're trying to outwit your enemy and trying to work out what's going on over there and you don't know. But it reminded me so much of uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis where you had Khrushchev and Kennedy who were trying to work out what the other person was doing, what the other person was thinking. Now, as far as far as I know, this is this episode is essentially is based on a movie uh, from the fifties oh. that was an American submarine versus a U boat. Well, that's that's. Um, uh, I, I was reading it today. I can't remember the name of the movie, but yes, yeah, a movie from the fifties about very specifically like an American. There's another movie that has other aspects of it as well, like styles having the the personal grudge against them and things like this. Like, it, it borrows very heavily from those... Yes. Like, classic. Yeah, well, be, uh, because because I, I actually have uh, written down here, like, it, it reminds me so much of um, submarines, and particularly where they, where they both turn off their engines and they're just sitting in silence 
waiting to hear each other. Now, of course, uh, trying to get a, like there's loads of little tricks employed, like the um, the Romulans uh, release a whole pile of debris, including the dead Centurion, to try and fool them that they've been blown up. But Kirk is too smart, and they're like, no, the mass doesn't add up. But uh, they decide to shut off all their engines and just sit and wait. It is. It's so tense. It's yeah, because it, it reminded me. Um, there's a, there's a great scene in Das Boot, the brilliant German film about uh, U-boats and um, during World War Two. And there's this great scene where I think there's a, a ship passing above them, and they just sit at the bottom of the ocean, turn everything off because the slightest noise from them could be detected up above and it's oh it's so tense but that that's what it reminded me of actually one, one, one thing i quite enjoyed about that whole scene was like they're acting they're, they're really really quiet and they're whispering they're really quiet but they're in space and sound doesn't travel <laughs> <laughs> that's very true that is very true <laughs> so um Kirk is feeling the weight of command. He's he's lying he's lying in his chambers, and Janice comes in and she's like, "Hey, do you want some coffee?" And he's like, "No, go away." But then Bones comes in. He's like, "Oh wait, Bones, you can stay." He's like, "Ah, the true bromance is here." Uh, Kirk is yeah, he's very much feeling the weight of command. He's uh, questioning, you know, what if I'm wrong? And it's like, ooh, I always I always love seeing Kirk's vulnerable side because you rarely see it, but when it when it comes out, it, it really humanizes him. Yeah. And then Bones has this uh, lovely kind of little thing about you know, there's the probability of planets like Earth. There's like three mil- million different Earth-like planets out there in one oh, galaxy, yeah. and there's billions of galaxies out there. There's only one Kirk. There's only one Kirk, and please don't destroy him. And I was like, ah, that's that's sweet. So Spock hits a signal. He releases a signal beep, 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 uh, for a brief moment and flicks it off again. And I'm sitting there going, was that an accident it, that was very clumsy of spock um but as it turns out i think it was yeah it um, was just spock being clumsy yeah i think yeah i have a feeling that it was probably written in a way that i think they wanted to oh of explore maybe a bit more of styles land suspicion on suspicious it. and stuff but it doesn't really oh absolutely absolutely and with styles also the audience are are suspicious of Spock as well. Can you imagine that for a twist? If Spock was a bad guy. I know, right? It's the menagerie all over again. <laughs> so the Romulans detect the signal and Styles is super suspicious of Spock. They fire their phasers from a distance that they're out of range of the plasma, which is so smart. But the Romulans decide to release more debris with some old-style nuclear warheads. I love how, you know, they refer to them as old-style nuclear warheads. I was like, ah, even in space, they have gotten beyond nuclear warheads, hopefully, because they only keep this on board for self-destruct matters. But I'm like, oh my God, they're going to nuke them, uh, which was very exciting. Because now, yeah. like, because because they because uh, they they detect that there is something encased in metal, so the Enterprise blows it up uh, out of the sky, uh, but it still explodes right beside them. Um, but they were lucky enough to survive a nuclear yeah. blast. I mean, yeah, they get away pretty because they say like, oh yeah, detonated a hundred meters away. I know. Like, get off, get off pretty lightly there. Mm-hmm. That's for a nuke. 
I know, right? Oh, we've got some mild. We've got twenty-two cases of mild radiation burns. Yeah, I mean, you know, it could have been a very small nuke. You know, like a what was a, a Davy Crockett rocket. You know, they were one of the hand-launched nuclear missiles that were designed for use on the battlefield by soldiers. Yeah, that was a thing. You go, human race. Yeah, that's uh, it was actually a David Crockett rocket at the start of Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater that they uh, they give to, uh, was it uh, Ger- Gerlukovich or no? What's his name? Volgan, Colonel Volgan. He fires it on uh, Grozny Grad, but we're not getting into Metal Gear Solid right here. So the Romulan commander, now we go home, is now second in command. He's like, but commander, I, I remind you of your duty. So it's like, ooh, there's 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 something more to this. And and I like that that the commander, he's not looking for a fight. He's yeah. looking to survive. He just wants to get he home. To and so home. I love the the human side of it that they're not just these evil beings. I thought that was really smart writing as well. So Tomlinson is down working on phasers, and I'm sitting there going, Oh dear, <laughs> we're going back to Tomlinson. Where's Martine? So Kirk wants to play dead rather than to retreat, which is another smart move. So that the Romulans hopefully think that they successfully nuked them to oblivion. Uh, The other Romulan is urging the commander to attack. And they do. So Spock goes down to to see if everything's all right down in phasers. Styles is down working on phasers. And he's like, we'll handle things without your help, Vulcan. I was like, that's racist. And... Spock just kind of leaves. But then, of course, literally... Yeah, Spock's just like, all right, dude, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And literally, as soon as they leave, purple gas starts leaking into the phaser room. And Spock goes back in, turns on the phasers. He saves Styles, but we'll find find that out later. They hail the ship and... Kirk is like, okay, we can beam all your people, uh, all your survivors onto our ship. The Romulan commander refuses to be captured, which is interesting. But then he goes on to say, you know, in another alternative existence, we could have been friends. I was like, oh, it's so good because, yeah, they are. They're two great commanders of two great ships. But in this instance, they are enemies. And I really like that. Is it? It's such good storytelling. Yeah. I mean, you watch episodes like that. I mean, we'll get on to Shore Leave next, which is a very, very different episode. Yes, it is. Um, I, I really, I'm really happy you gave me these two because they couldn't be two more different. Yeah. And yet equally classic episodes of Star Trek. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, you watch episodes like this and it's immediately apparent why this became the phenomenon yes. that it was. Oh, big time. Because it is. It's just brilliant story done. So the the Romulan commander has one more duty to perform and the ship blows up. And um, I assume it was a self-destruct just to, as, a, as a, or whatever. Um, but uh, the Romulans will not be captured. Yeah, self-destruct. So it turns out that Spock saved Styles, And so Spock is like, ah, I am not a racist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> the day Spock fixed racism. I know, right? And it turns out Tomlinson died. Shock. Horror. Yeah, Spock saved the racist and left the, you know, the guy whose wedding day it was to die. Yeah. So Janice was still wondering about this episode. Janice is, was a complete spare toe in this episode. Like, it kind of felt there wasn't a lot of... So I'll be honest. Uh, as I said, only seen a couple episodes. Had no idea who she was until I googled her. 
afterwards. So from yes. my point of view, having never seen her before, she's just this random woman who just comes up and touches Kirk every so every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and that is that's even um, it's like who who? Yeah, no. Uh, Janice was a recurring character in the first bulk of episodes, maybe like the first ten episodes or something. But then um, uh, she left the show due to personal reasons. Because I was quite interested. I was like, this is a character who. I wasn't aware existed, and yet she seems to be a main character. Um, but yeah, she got she got written out fairly fairly quickly. So Kirk comes into the grieving fiance, and he approaches her. I'm like, oh Kirk, don't you dare, don't you dare! <laughs> <laughs> oh, time for some classic Kirk. Oh my god! Like so far, what I've seen, Kirk has charmed a twelve year old. He has charmed a 19 year old he is it like he, he just charms so much and here is this grieving fiance and i'm like kirk kirk and and he he gives her a hug but she she's she, she's okay and she looks up at him she's like i'm all right and i was like oh kirk you down boy down boy <laughs> and uh i love this excellent episode pure Star Trek, this is what I think of when I think of Star Trek. The whole thing of, you know, hailing the enemy ship and talking to the other commander and they're like, we will not back down and you're like, you must back down and all this kind of stuff. This is pure Star Trek. Battle stations, all of this. I love it. I really, really enjoyed it. Really good. I, it, and, I mean, obviously it introduces the Romulans who you'll see much more of as time goes by and are really, they're some of the best villains ever Star Trek. I love the Romulans. Oh, that's cool. Because funnily enough, I didn't I was not aware of the Romulans until I saw the JJ Abrams movie. So like that was the first time I ever knew that Romulans existed. Like, I mean, I knew about Klingons and I knew that Klingons were one of the big bads of Star Trek, but I never knew that Romulans were even a thing. And it's cool to see that Romulans even predate the Klingons just in their appearance. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Klingons haven't been in it yet. Yeah, I, I've, I've, I haven't seen a single Klingon uh, in this, so that's quite exciting. One, one thing I love, actually, just to come back to the Romulans, is the so the helmets that they're wearing. Yes. The, the weird bulbous helmets that they're wearing. Um, basically, just so that they didn't have to make more pointy ears. I kind of yeah. guessed that, actually. Yeah, I was, I was looking at that. I was like, are they wearing that just so they don't have to have prosthetic ears? Yeah. Oh, God. But, but, and, and I mean, like that's great, but can you imagine... If they had done it as a reveal, or like the, the commander was wearing one at the start, and then he takes it off, you're like, oh man, Falcon, shit. Ah, yes. That would have been, yeah, that would have been even better. Because I remember, I, I always love that they did that in Thor the Dark World, where the dark elves uh, have these spooky masks that they wear so that they don't have to put on this super detailed alien makeup onto every single extra running about as a dark elf. So they just have this generic... Yeah, but the problem with that was they they came out looking like the, uh, the putties from Power Rangers. They did look like the putty patrol. <laughs> but uh, that's Thor. So that was episode 15. Episode 16, Shore Leave, is a completely different kettle of fish. You know what it's time for? It's time for horny Star Trek. Oh, wow. <laughs> so the episode opens. They've found this planet. They've uh, they've sent a wee landing party just to make sure that the, the planet is okay. Meanwhile, there's a, 
uh, Yeoman, is it Barrels or Barrows? Uh, I want to say Barrows, O-W. Yeah, I think it's Barrows. For for the whole episode, I was hearing Barrels, but then I think they said it a bit more clearly later, and I think it's Barrows. Yeoman Barrows is giving Kirk a massage. Um, <laughs> he thinks it's Spock. This is just such a random gag. It just yeah, out of was... nowhere, this gag. And they, like, they don't follow it up. There's no punchline to it. it just Yeah, I know. Uh, oh, okay. It's you. It's some other random expendable red shirt yeoman. Everyone is exhausted after months and months in space. Uh, and then we uh, go down onto the planet. I'm like, ooh, trees. You know, it's it's a, y- you almost feel the breath of fresh air as an audience, you know, because you're so used to. And particularly after that super serious previous episode, it's really nice to get to this episode where it is just it is literally a breath of fresh air and McCoy and Sulu are chilling out to, and and I'm sitting there of course I'm like this place is too good to be true there's that someone's gonna die something's gonna happen what's gonna happen and McCoy is like you know this is like something out of Alice in Wonderland it's wonderful and then Sulu wanders off and then the trippiest thing I have seen so far <laughs> And there have been a couple of trippy things happen so far, but this is probably just the out of left field. The White Rabbit <laughs> with his big cartoony voice. Hey, do you know the time? I'm late. And it's just like, okay. And then Alice shows up. Genuine, if I knew nothing about Star Trek, if this if you had just sent me that episode to watch and I had never watched Star Trek before, I would have just turned it off at that moment. What like, is this? this no, yeah. Just, what is this? No. And was, uh, so the white rabbit and Alice run off. And so Kirk is, you, 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 you can see that he's um, a bit stressed as well up on the ship, but he's sending everybody else down to go on shore leave, but not him because he's, he's too busy. He also doesn't believe McCoy's report. McCoy's like, yeah, so I just saw a white rabbit and he's like, Oh, did you see Alice too? He's like, yeah. yeah. And he's like, ah, you're so funny, Bones. Oh, he's trying to lure me down there. Yes. Well, actually, I loved how Spock did this. So Spock is like, well, there is one staff member who is super stressed and is refusing treatment, which is his right. And then Kirk says, well, his rights end where the safety of the ship begins. And Spock is like, I totally agree with you. And he's like, who's the crew member? James Kirk. And he's like, oh, snap. <laughs> And I was like, I like it. I like it. So Kirk is like, all right, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, got me, Spock. Um, so a random revolver just appears from this little rock on the planet, which is kind of random. And then we meet Rodriguez and Gellert, who are just wandering about. They're two other crew members. And they're scanning plants and doing random stuff. Kirk arrives with yeoman barrels uh barrows whatever and it barrels barrows whatever i'm I'm gonna say either or throughout this i have written in my notes barrels just don't don't, com- don't, don't, don't it, commit so. to either don't commit to either just exactly exactly all the while i love that there's this like jingly wind chimes sound throughout the whole thing just creating this sense of whimsy it's really 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 good simple uh cheap sound design so kirk meets up with mccoy and they find footprints and they're going, what's going on here? And Kirk is like, okay, there's something weird happening. I'm cancelling shore leave because I'm not sure what's going on here. But then they hear a revolver going off and it's a whole big panic. And then we just have Sulu 
just casually bang, bang, bang. This is great. But it's like, are you sure there's nobody on the other side of the lake, Sulu? He's like, nope, bang, bang, bang. Hey, look, guys, I found a gun. Isn't this great? I know. He's <laughs> like, look at it. Bang, bang, bang. Like, oh, my God, Sulu, you're an after-school special. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's what I always wanted, right, NRA? Uh, although I do love how he then scientifically explains how it works. You know, it's 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 like it fires off lead slugs expounded by exploding gas canisters. I was like, that's cool. That's pretty much what it is. But of course, Kirk confiscates it and Sulu's like, you're no fun. Hashtag NRA. <laughs> and then we get this mysterious point of view shot of this weird target antenna thing that's looking at Kirk and McCoy. And I'm like, hmm something is not what it seems. I mean, obviously we've already had random guns showing up in Alice in Wonderland, but random antenna, there's something There's something else to this. There might be someone behind this. So it turns out that Kirk was picked on at the Academy, which uh, by this guy called Finnegan. Finnegan who played pranks on him. And they find more, more footprints, although I love this bit. So Kirk and McCoy find these footprints, but there's no cutaways to the footprints. It's like... It's shot like a Kevin Smith movie where they're like, oh, look, there's footprints down there. Oh, yeah, I see footprints over there, too. Well, I'm going to go this way and I'm going to go that way. I was like, ah, I love it. Filmmaking 101. <laughs> <laughs> what I love is they, they, when they show you the footprints before, like the footprints are almost mm. like side by side as though the thing was hopping along. Yes. But it wasn't. I know, I know. And then Finnegan shows up. And my eyes roll to the back of my skull. Oh no, his name is Finnegan. He's bloody Irish, isn't he? And then we have fiddly eye music. And like, was Finnegan a leprechaun? I think he might. I think he might have actually been. <laughs> you know, like he's just jumping about. Oh, my gosh, my God, I can't the cork. I'm going to, what are you going to do? You're going to take me lucky stars. And I'm like, oh no. I hate Paddy Wackery so much. So myself and my wife watched Leap Year not too long ago. Have you uh, ever seen it? I, I think about 10 years ago I watched it, yeah. It's... Oh my God. Like we, we watched it. She'd seen it before and I'd never seen it, but we watched it with the full intention of knowing how bad it was. Oh, it, it, it's it's such a deeply insulting film. You know, it's just pure and utter paddy whackery. For anyone who's sitting there, not from Ireland, not knowing what paddy whackery is, paddy whackery is essentially, it's like a derogatory Irish stereotype. And... All the Irish are leprechauns, we all drink too much. Yeah. Diddly eyed lie, lie, lie. Yeah, like literally, you know, Finnegan shows up and there's a little jig in the background, you know, and it's just like, oh, for God's sake, hate it. Hate it so much. Then we hear a scream from Barrows uh, somewhere in the distance. They go and find her and she has, uh, her uniform has been ripped up. And she says, this guy with the jeweled dagger came to me. And they're like, like Don Juan. She's like, yeah, yeah, it was Don Juan. That's that's funny. You should mention that. And, um, (laughs) but then it gets weird, you know. So this Don Juan character who showed up rips at her uniform and then she's sitting there yeah because funnily enough what i was thinking beforehand was all a girl needs is a don juan and it's like what what are you trying to say show that that she actually wanted him to 
show up and rip out her uniform and like for a very progressive show in many ways yes this this episode is one of many that forgets that like women are people yeah i mean th- this is very much um like I-, I have i have addressed this a lot in previous episodes already um but i probably uh, yeah. should have listened to the other episodes before i came on here <laughs> yeah it i mean it is um problematic i mean it's like every time i watch this i'm just like oh 60s it is it is something uh, that i'm not going to be too harsh on it like obviously yeah they should have known better etc but at the same time things are products of their time and, and 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 i and i don't completely disregard it because some elements of it are deeply problematic particularly by today's standards but you know even for the time, it is, it is problematic. But I, it's interesting because that is something I, f- I find so much in the world these days, particularly like with a lot of uh, the likes of cancel culture and stuff, where you've got people who very quickly, you know, who are very quick to disregard things, or particularly if you have things coming from a different generation or people of a different generation. Not that people say of older generations have a get out of jail free card for seeing problematic things. That's not what I'm saying. But, but these people may have, you know, just have a different upbringing, have a different history, have a different experience that their level of, shall we say, wokeness has maybe gotten to a point where they consider themselves going, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, progressive you know i've you know like back in my day people were calling people the n-word casually you know so by not doing that by not wanting to say that word i am progressive and whereas by today's standards it's like there's there are different standards and so it's, it's something i find very interesting in the in the discourse it's something as well that with star trek in particular as, as a franchise that went on for so long mm. i mean Yes, early episodes and original series was misogynistic as hell. Yeah. But as time has gone on, Star Trek has had some amazing, powerful female characters. That, yeah. You know, it doesn't fix the mistakes of the past, but no. at least doesn't make them, or not so much doesn't make them again, but improves upon storytelling as it goes on. Yeah. Oh, big time. And uh, but but as I said as well in one of the earlier episodes of this is, you know, even though it can be problematic, you can still see the DNA of its progressive nature and its optimistic nature of the future. I mean, even going back to the previous episode where Styles is openly racist against Buck and Kirk straight up tells him, yeah, don't bring your bigotry onto this bridge uh, in the 60s. Yeah. That's pretty progressive. 60s United States. Oh, big time, absolutely. So back to the uh, wonderfully progressive episode of uh, Shirley. <laughs> um, uh, so this little antenna is picking upon... F- or, uh, so, uh, so what I'm wondering here at this point is, is this antenna picking up upon fantasies and manifesting them? Turns out I was right, but uh, there's, there's a little bit more to it than that. I was thinking at this point, I was like, this is a very nice, cheap episode let's just go shoot it in a park it's so smart i always love it when when shows can do this where they can you know shoot something cheap 
but it doesn't look cheap, and, and I, I always I, I can always appreciate when uh, when people do that. You know what? Though for for an episode that probably was shot relatively cheaply, there's some really good shots in it. Yeah. In particular, there's one tracking shot of I think it's Kirk Bones and Barrows running through the forest, and it's this amazing tracking shot. It looks like something you would yeah. see on TV today. There's some good cinematography in this episode. Really impressive stuff. So Kirk finds these little flowers and then is surprised to see Ruth. Ruth. <gasps> Ruth. Sure, I know her well. Is this a girl from home? Who is who is this? So Kirk is about to contact McCoy, but then he stops himself. And um, Kirk also, at this point, he has this wonderfully silly smile. He's just this really cheesy, show off them pearly white smile. It's very funny. So loads of things, loads of weird things are happening. Rodriguez saw birds and Rodriguez was like, nobody picked up any life signs on this planet. And Kirk is like, well, maybe it was wrong. He's like super dopey at this point. But then he's like, okay, let's all, let's all meet up. So they decide to, to meet up at the Glade. Spock contacts Kirk and he's getting some strange readings, a weird power source beneath the planet's surface. There's industrial activity going on. There's something, something more than meets the eye. Subtle. And so then we have the scene. Oh God, this scene. Barrows and McCoy. My God, this is Star Trek at its horniest. Oh God, this is cringe. And so they're flirty McFlirting all the way. She wants a dress, this princess dress, you know, a lady to be protected and fought for. I'm like, ah, you, you, you're just going all the way back there for feminism, aren't you? And then they find this dress and she's like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And McCoy's like, I'd like to see you in it. And it's like, it just, it gets so creepy. It gets super creepy. And she's like, okay, but don't peek. And he's like, I'm a doctor. When I peek, it's in the line of duty. I'm like, what? 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 But the thing is like, like Kirk, Kirk is charming. Yes. When he's, you know, when, when Kirk's coming on to women in an unseemly way, he's at least charming. You know, it's watchable. He still seems moderately likable. Bones is just creepy as hell. Yeah, because the thing was, what I was wondering at this point of the episode was like, is there something working on their mind? Messing with his head. You know, but it turns out like there's nothing affecting their minds (laughs) as such. It's things that are being physically built to suit what they want. So any people being weird, that's on them. The real question is, Whose mind manifested the dress? Uh, Hers or his? Yeah. Well, in fairness, she was talking about the dress. Yeah, but he wanted to see her get changed. (laughs) So a tiger appears uh, at Rodriguez. It's all it's all very very dangerous. And Kirk is chatting with Spock, uh, but the signal is weakening. A random samurai jumps up from a trapdoor and attacks Sulu. I was like, this is awesome. They're clearly just going going through the costume department, going right. Well, yeah, yeah. Let's let's have a samurai in this episode. Yeah, that'll be fun, and we'll have him attack the Japanese guy. That makes sense. Who's the samurai going to attack? I know. What the 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 only Asian guy? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. And then, of course, they discover that the phasers aren't working, which is wonderfully convenient. And so Spock is beaming down. And at this point, whenever Spock appears down, I'm wondering at this point is like, is Spock real? 
Is this is is he really there? Is this real or is he now? As it turns out, spoilers for the end of the episode. He he was real, but I thought that would have been a really cool twist if that version of Spock actually wasn't Spock. That, but of course, the it turns out that these are all physical illusions, like they're physical manifestations. They're not. Uh, psychological. So a knight in shining armor shows up for McCoy and Barrows. He's like, eh, hallucinations can't harm us. And McCoy gets gored in the chest. And it's like, whoa. And so they show up. Um, uh, so uh, Kirk shows up and they shoot the knight. And it's like, wow, McCoy is dead. He's he's straight up dead. And I mean, he he had a good run. Yeah, he had a good run. I mean, obviously, I know that he shows up again. So, you know, I wasn't. But if I were watching this for the first time, I was like, it's like they've been killing off red shirts a lot. But maybe this was his time to go. What's going on here? So they uh, examine the knight and the knight in shining armor is actually a dummy. And they're trying to work out what's going on here. Spock realizes that it's made up. It's it's made from the same material for cell repair. So in the future, they clearly have kind of a, uh, oh, what was the name of the thing in Age of Ultron? Cradle. Yeah, there's something cradle. It's like it's not the Genesis cradle, but it's something like that. The, the, the body fixer, the cell regenerator. The body fixer. Yes, exactly. So uh, all of these things, including all the trees and whatnot, these are all multicellular castings. They have been produced by something. These World War II planes are flying about and they shoot at Rodriguez and Angela. And it's like, what is... At this point, I'm sitting there going, what is going on here? How is this working? And then, if this episode couldn't get any better, Finnegan shows up again. And I have written in my notes in block capitals, please punch Finnegan. Oh, he is insufferable. Like, just... He's... Jumping about like a le- and I have written here is like was Finnegan a leprechaun? Like what is with him? So Finnegan beats the crap out of Kirk, and initially I have written nice fight choreography because it started off really nice, but then it just goes on and on and on, and he ultimately tricks Kirk into thinking that he has a broken back, and then Kirk, uh, and then he flips Kirk over. And in the process of flipping Kirk to the ground, Kirk's shirt miraculously tears <laughs> wide open, yeah. conveniently enough. Maybe he was hot. And um, If you were William Shatner, you'd be ripping your shirts open. Oh, yes. And Kirk is asking him, he's like, you know, what, what are you doing? He's like, I'm being exactly what you expect me to be. So it's like, oh, there is something going on here. Then the tiger shows up again. But thankfully, if you look closely, the tiger is on a chain, so it's fine. Actually, fun fact uh, that I read earlier after watching the episode, uh, William Shatner full-on wanted to wrestle the tiger. Of course he did. (laughs) Of course he did. He was like, apparently he was just like, yeah, like it would make the episode so much better if I wrestled the tiger. Joe Exotic, eat your heart out. I would have watched that. Yeah. So Don Juan shows up and grabs at Barrows again. Uh, everything all comes to a head. They're back in the glade, back where they started. And then this dude in a robe shows up and he's like, hey, sup guys? And they're like, who are you? And he's like, I am the caretaker of this place. And it turns out that this place was meant to entertain a park to amuse people. And 
amusement park, if you will. <laughs> that was really smooth. So the idea is for that for people to come and play. And Sulu is intrigued. He's like, but you're so advanced, you still need to play. It's like, uh, yeah, of course. Play is play is so important. Play is very important. Um but then, of course, McCoy returns. McCoy is alive after all. And he's brought with him a couple of Las Vegas showgirls. Uh, oh. Why? Just just why? Yeah. And Barrows is super jealous. Yeah. Like... But uh, but 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 I, I I don't have I don't have the words for it. Yeah, I, I sat there I sat there watching that whole sequence just completely slacked out. Like, oh my god! But like it's funny though because because this concept because uh, what I've been doing I've been constantly connecting some of the creative tissue in these shows with later science fiction and seeing what may have inspired certain concepts and stuff but it's funny because this whole idea of well you can be gored in the chest but you can be brought back to life it reminded me very much of there was an episode of rick and morty where there's a big giant amusement park and uh, there's like a, an immortality dome so you can die but instantly regenerate so like people are just like kids are running around killing each other but they're surviving it's really funny but it reminded me of that you still haven't watched Rick and Morty sure you haven't no I still haven't what is wrong with you I'm waiting for everyone to shut up about it and then I'll watch it people have shut up about it man that ship has sailed people had to shut up about it and then a new episode came out like last week or something oh really I haven't watched that one yet I live with too many people. You see, that, that that was a bit like me with Community. I didn't, I hadn't watched Community whatsoever until about two weeks ago. And we have binge watched all of Community. Oh, you finished it. Okay. I finished it. I finished Community. I loved it. Honestly, I, honestly, I, watched, it. Communi- I watched Community when it was first on. And I don't know if I finished it. <laughs> Not 100% sure. It's all on Netflix now. Yeah. It's funny. I think maybe my expectations were so low for season four, you know, because everybody just talks about how bad season four was. Oh, yeah, the gas leak. I don't think that I thought it was as bad as everybody was making it out to be. I mean, I can. there was definitely a dip in quality, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I, I didn't think it was all that bad. In, in a very similar way to Arrested Development, the first three seasons are absolutely fantastic, you know, and the rest is hit and miss. On a kind of separate note of very popular TV shows that you may or may not have watched, have you watched Black Mirror? Bits of it. not uh, I've watched several episodes of it, but uh, not all of them. Because there, 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 there is a Star Trek episode, isn't there? Yeah, and the, the glory of Black Mirror is that you can watch it... In any order. In any order. So I would, I would very much suggest when you get to the end of original series to watch that episode. Um, yes. It, it it parodies Star Trek. Beautiful. Oh, excellent. I look forward to watching that. And I and I think I'll also watch um, uh, Galaxy Quest, is it? Oh, yeah. 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 I, yeah. I mean, like... I, Wait, have you not I, seen Galaxy Quest? I've no, I've not seen Galaxy Quest. I mean, I'm. I grab Thor's hammer. I know, I, I I know the concept of it, and I and I know the uh, some of the characters in it, but I haven't watched it from start to finish because I kind of figured I'd prefer to appreciate Star Trek a bit more before watching it. If you, know I, what I, mean. I do know what you mean, but 
even like the amount that you've watched now is yeah. is enough to watch Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest yeah. is glorious. Because in fairness, myself and my wife, we watched the Futurama episode oh, of yes. <laughs> Star Trek, which so I was like, I, I, I understand these references now. Great reference to um, Menagerie in that, actually. Yeah. Oh, oh, big time, big time. So as uh, the episode of Shore Leave leaves off, they agree that, do you know what? This is actually a super place to have Shore Leave because everyone is actually safe. And they, 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 they can rebuild us. They have the technology. So everyone is super chill and they're all back up on the ship at the end. And Spock thought that everything was most illogical. And that was that. It was uh, it was a strange episode. I have written here, silly episode, but fun. It is a silly episode, and it is fun. I was very surprised the ending, like the way they're all around the captain's chair having a little laugh. I was fully expecting a, a proper 60s freeze frame ending. I know, I know, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I, 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 th- there have been a couple of moments at the end of episodes where I've been waiting for the freeze frame, but it never came, it never came. But yeah, so they were um, two very different episodes of Star Trek. Yeah, could not have been more different. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. They're wonderful kind of juxtaposition of each other. I enjoyed them both, uh, more so the first one. It was fantastic. Uh, what was it called again? Balance of Terror. Balance of Terror. Yeah. Yeah, amazing stuff. Yeah. Amazing. I'm looking forward to doing this again. Yes, absolutely. We will have you on more. To be honest, I'm probably just going to keep watching the series now. Yeah, exactly. Ah, you you watch away at your own pace, and uh, so you'll 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 have more. Yeah, because it's that. This is what I've been so impressed with is it's totally watchable. Yeah, like I've yeah, there are some shows that are difficult to go back to, and I suppose probably one of the reasons why this has has dated so well is because it's not comedy. You know, comedy as they say, is usually the first thing to date badly. And quite often, you know, there is a lot of comedy out there where you're watching it now. Like, even going and watching Friends. Yeah. There's some jokes in Friends where you're just like, guys, lay off the gay bash and lay off the trans bash and what is wrong with you? I mean, you live in the village. Like, what's going on? <laughs> Like, they're filming Rent, like, two doors oh, down. Oh, I know. Well, interestingly <laughs> enough, actually, because I was in I was in uh, New York back uh, at the end of January before the world changed utterly, and I was down in Greenwich Village for the first time, and it's amazing how close so many different places are. Like, so the, the, the friend's apartment is, uh, is literally about two blocks away from Carrie Bradshaw's apartment, uh, from Sex in the City, and just down the road you have where April O'Neil lived in the live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, Eleventh and Bleecker, and uh, and then of course Bleecker Street. You're just down the road from where Doctor Strange. Strange lives, and of course you can see the Statue of Liberty from all of their windows. Of course, of course, or the Empire State it, Building, yeah. whichever one you choose. But yeah, it's uh, it, I, I find that really funny just how close all of these places were. I loved Greenwich Village. It was very cool. One day they might reopen the borders. Yeah, I, know. Get to get. I know, I know. Poor New York. Thoughts and prayers and everything to the people of New York and people out there who are... And to you back in Ireland. Oh well, yeah, exactly. You know, anyone out there who is... It's really surreal being away from your home country yeah. while this is going on. Yeah. Just like watching it all from a distance. It's very strange. You're probably in one of the safest places in the world down there. Yeah, it's 
great. Although we've started having earthquakes in the last two days. Oh yeah, I saw I saw the clip of uh, of the prime minister where she's yeah. given an interview and then oh wait, we're, yeah. we're, I think we're having an earthquake right we're now. Having an earthquake. So, oh wait, oh it stopped. Okay, we're all good. Let's carry on with the interview. Yeah, because she's yeah, an absolute legend. Yeah, uh, she seems like it. she seems amazing. What's her name again? Jacinda Arden, or uh, as as I've as I've heard many people refer to her here, Auntie Jacinda. Oh, Auntie, Auntie Jacinda said we can go for a few pints now. Auntie Jacinda, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, she is. She is very much the the, the cool aunt, isn't she? <laughs> Big. I'm a, I'm a fan. Yeah. So on that note, Nielsen, uh, if people would like to discover some of your fun and little intellectual queries about science fiction and pop culture, where can they find it? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nile underscore Mac. That's M C underscore D O N A G H Donna. The Nile underscore Mac underscore Donna. Uh, I'm there every so often, or you can find me on Instagram on nilemcd90, uh, where you will primarily see pictures of the New Zealand countryside and whatever I made for dinner today. Excellent! That sounds thoroughly enthralling. Um, <laughs> or whatever my lockdown baking creations were, because that was the that was the new hobby I took up. And if anyone would like to listen to us chat on length about the Marvel Cinematic Universe or Star Wars, you can do so uh, over on YouTube. Uh, we have very long videos about uh, of uh, our podcast of just the two of us, Nielsen and Johnson, Nerds at Law. So uh, you can go over there. It's on uh, John D. Ruddy Does Stuff. Uh, so you can check that out on YouTube. And we talk a lot. We talk a lot. Brothers from another mother. And uh Yeah. I miss you, Niall. I miss you too, brother. And uh, and on that note, I will leave it there. Thanks a million for listening, folks. Once again, if you wish to support this podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash John D. Ruddy. Let me know what you think of this podcast on Twitter at John D. Ruddy. Indeed, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. So go over to any one of those, preferably Twitter, if you're going to tell me some stuff, and use the hashtag where many have gone before. If you know anybody who would like this podcast, please send it their way. This episode was presented by John D. Ruddy with special guest Mr. Niall McDonough. It was edited, produced, (laughs) salvaged uh, by John D. Ruddy with special thanks to David Toy for the final touches of making Niall's track listenable and the theme tune is also by myself john d ruddy and as they say in the wonderful world of star trek live long and black lives matter